Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello there, welcome to the show that's brought to you with Levi Solicitors. You can get 10% off your legal fees, levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. I'm Dan Moylan. Hello, with me, Michael Normanton. Hello. And so is Moscow White, Daniel Chapman. Hello. So this is Propaganda, the podcast where we find out what's been said about Leeds United by you and by the opposition fans. First of all, we'll delve into the feedback that we got from our TSB Plus subscribers on their feedback form. Stuff that we spoke about on the match ball. What did we get right? What did we get wrong? Maybe what did we miss? And we are recording on Wednesday lunchtime, so it's fairly recent that we did the match ball. But yet there was still, remarkably, stuff that we missed on the match ball. Can you think of a few things? Poor Jackie. He's what stands out to me. I watched the goals back as well, and sure enough, there he is. I think think we were so focused on Tyler Roberts getting his chance to score a goal that we ignored the fact that for a second game running, there was Jackie in acres of space with what was essentially the better decision to pass to him uh, there, but just like Mateus the week before, the greedy, greedy bastards robbed him of his chance. It's a, a shame that the fans are back in stadiums. I'm going to miss being able to hear the players to the extent that we have over the last season because uh, Jackie's uh, squeaking at clicky, clicky, when um, he wasn't passing to him was exceptional. The One of the highlights of the um, All the Angles video on YouTube and it would be nice. Maybe something will cut through on the uh, the pitch side microphones of how just how upset he was to see Tyler Roberts getting his long deserved goal because it, it was even after the ball was passed into the net quite beautifully, he was still just throwing up his arms in frustration. Well, I can't believe this. Anthony and Paul were the ones who singled out Jackie's loneliness out there and the uh, the attacking left position. And Paul did say. Check out Jackie's hand actions when Roberts is scoring. He looked annoyed. Was it was it the classic teenage strop, arms in the air, uh, I'm not having this move? The teenage strop was absolutely defined by Pat Bamford talking to the referee. That I've not seen a better one when he's saying, um, uh, so I have to dive then. And he kind of flips his arm in the air and tosses his head. God, I can't believe this. As if he'd been told to make his own breakfast or something. With Jackie, I don't know, we do seem to have got a bunch of right greedy bastards up front, which is brilliant because Rafinha does it in a different way when Bamford didn't put the ball back to him in the six-yard box when it was nil-nil. He just kind of goes very stony-faced and stores it away and kind of like, these these are the reasons I will give 
when I'm pressing my thumbs down on Bamford's throat when I finally have had enough of not receiving the ball. And Tyler as well, so he, he wanted to get that, that goal for himself, so he wasn't passing. It's good, though. I'd rather have them all up front trying to actually score the goals themselves than just missing. One day, I think Rafinha will post back parts of a Leeds United player, one of his teammates, to their family for some transgression or other. I'm not sure who it's going to be, what it'll be over, but it'll be something to do with not passing to him. He did seem a little bit happier than normal yesterday, didn't you think? He seemed like he was taking the odd thing in good spirits, whereas normally he looks permanently annoyed. There were points he looked like he was enjoying it. There was that chance at the end, though, that he messed up for himself, and he'll probably be posting his own leg back to Brazil. (laughs) I, I don't deserve this anymore. With reference to Bamford, actually, it was Mark Worthington who did ask, why did VAR not intervene when it should have been a penalty? I think this is the problem with the transparency of VAR, isn't it? We don't know exactly what's going on with the decision-making process, so it's hard to understand exactly, have they looked at it? Did they bother? Did they go with the on-field decision? It's just, I mean, the fact that I can't even answer the questions I'm asking, I, don't, I just don't know as a fan, shows probably what's wrong with the system. It's a shit system. Is the is the obvious problem with it? They watch if you go down and the ref gives it, they would watch that back and see a touch and say yes, correct decision, penalty. Because the ref didn't give it, they don't judge it enough of a touch to be worth looking at. You've lost me already. Again, you see. I, I don't follow. It's it's the weird disconnection between not wanting to overrule the referee, apart from sometimes where you absolutely do go overrule the referee, and it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. Yeah, it's like there'll have been a. A conversation at Stockley Park of, well, you know, you can quite clearly see the goalkeeper's glove on his shin pad. Should we tell him? No, don't tell him. Don't ruin it. He's he's having a fun time down there at Southampton. He's having a nice night. Good game so far. Don't spoil it by making him give a penalty that he's missed. That does seem to be maybe the most likely explanation that they've invented some batshit mental protocol that means they're not allowed to tell the ref for some reason that we don't understand and will never be told about. But it's exactly what VAR should be for. Everyone's like, why isn't it working properly? And it's it's all there, glaringly obvious, just so simple to make it work in the game's favour. Whereas something like that happens and a player decides not to go down, but there's clearly been a foul and the referee hasn't seen it because it's at whatever speed and whatever distance. The person watching on video, well, it's not video, on television, in a shed somewhere, can just buzz him and say, there's a penalty there that you should give. Right, fine, and... Fuck all the going over to look at it and go, well, I'm not sure was it. Just somebody who's seen it, who is also a referee, so also knows all the rules and has the advantage of a television angle. It's got penalty there, blow your fucking whistle, you. <laughs> it's where VR has made diving worse because it incentivizes going down to make some contact because you know that if it is given, they'll look at it. And if there is even the most minute bit of contact, which would not knock over a toddler, they will still be able to go, well, I can see Harry Kane there, even though he did fling his left leg out a yard to the side, so he did make contact. Maybe we still need to give it as a penalty, but I mean, that that was a penalty. And there was one earlier in the season with, it was Pervader at Chelsea, wasn't it, where there was one where mm. there was a foot there for him to go over if he chose to. But because we're such an honest, great bunch of lads, like all Leeds United teams have always been, we get punished. We were also getting into a, a game of chance to try and win the penalty because if it goes wrong and you jump without there being any contact, you get a yellow card for diving. So you're putting the onus on the the striker or the forward to play this crazy game where the only way for them to get a penalty is to risk getting a yellow card or a red if they've already been booked. And that's not what it's about when a goalkeeper is stroking your shin pad as you go by. Speaking of which, we did deal with the ailing flop on the match ball, but Paul was in touch to say, 
Bill's just great. Best flop of the season. He was still laughing about it 10 minutes later and had to stop himself. Yeah, so it's fine when we're doing it, uh, when it benefits us. One thing we didn't talk about actually last night was the the burnout reaction and the form table, which so many people have shared on Twitter, which shows us top of the form table over the last 10 games with 21 points. Season is ending too soon for us, isn't it now? We're just coming into form. This is the thing. We've, we're so fit that we didn't realise there were so few games to play in this league. A piece of piss for us. I mean, to the extent that it's so easy, we're sending players away. Just don't bother. Don't bother. Get on, get on the beach. You're embarrassingly fit, you lot. Just, just go home and get fat for a bit. If we beat West Brom, which we will, then we will be able to start next season. And the way it will have to be spoken about, because I will insist upon it, is Leeds United unbeaten since... No, it's what we lost to Brighton, didn't we? <laughs> Brighton will... will I, thought, I thought we agreed we weren't counting on that one. Though. Yeah, that's, Bright, that's, that's Brighton not. will close over the summer. That's what I've forgotten. Leeds United, one defeat since March. That's what we'll be saying. We'll be saying that in the middle of August, and that's fucking ages. That's a really long time that we'll have been one defeat. And we can even say, I don't know, when did we lose to Brighton? It was middle of April, wasn't it? I've forgotten. Something don't, like that. I don't think it even happened. Someone just say, yeah, unbeaten since April. Have you seen Brighton have equaled their highest ever Premier League points total? So congratulations it's to them. It's a pathetic number, isn't it? 41 points, bless them. They've done really well done. <laughs> You've done really, really well there. One day, maybe you might even get into the 50s in another five, ten years. Get them a certificate. Yeah, and maybe a, a trophy, a broken one at that. And um, We didn't speak about Strauch either. He played the central defensive midfield role in the second half when Phillips went off. Looked solid, made some crucial breakups of, of, of play and quietly went about it. Sorry to the person who sent that in because Michael's lack of diligence means your name is not on this sheet. I'm guessing there wasn't a name on it because I just copy and paste them. So it's their fault. That's what I'm saying. Fine. I'm just blaming them. Yeah, it was it was weird at our time because we made changes that appeared to make us weaker, but then we were loads better. I don't know if it's because they took off Adams at halftime, didn't they? I don't know if him going off just changed the shape of the game or something, but yeah, it was good. It was really good. And Berardi was as well. There just no there didn't seem to be any stressful moments in that second half. Other than there was the one header, wasn't there, right before we scored that was a half chance from Stevens. But other than that, they, they didn't have anything in the second half did make you wonder what a, a season of Berardi in the Premier League would have been like. And I imagine it would have been just exactly the same as in the Championship, winning loads of tackles, doing loads of blocks, winning headers, being strong, being handsome, just perfectly fine. I don't think um, anything about the Premier League would have been difficult for him. The only problem was his completely broken knee and Stroik uh, starting to get better in that position um, is good. Stroik's just getting better at everything all around. Like, um, I don't think playing in defence makes him any worse in midfield. Playing good games in defence will make him better playing in midfield. Just the experience of playing more and more games in the Premier League, as he keeps saying, he didn't expect to be doing any of this at the start of the season. So it's all a great big fat bonus. We didn't actually talk about Liam Cooper at all either, did we? Who obviously came back into the defence in place of him. I don't know who's better now between them two. I'm quite happy for either of them to start. Cooper has exceeded expectations this year, I think given all the League One Liam stuff that he's put up with in the past, but I think he's been really good when he's played. Strike also been really good. Urente, really good. Cock, really good. Berardi, perfectly fine too in the, the 45 minutes we saw. How have we got five centre-backs? I've no idea. And you're dismissing Charlie Creswell out of hand and Ollie Casey has, he's not played in the Premier League, has he? But he was in the, uh, he's got a couple of games in the Championship. I don't know if they'll, you know, get the same standard, but we have gone from when uh, Bielsa seemed to be sort of 
slicing off our options at centre half like it was a like a kebab till there was nothing left. To suddenly we've probably got a, a roster of defenders that anyone in the Premier League would be jealous of. Lee and Jim both singled out Berardi. Nothing more than we said last night other than it was lovely to see him back. And, and we know it, it, it's a swan song and he's going to be going on his merry way. But just to give him that closure, and it's the same closure we want for Pablo, isn't it? That's the long and short of it. If these players are to leave us, we want to have at least a nice memory and for them, you know, in Berardi's case, to come back from an injury that um, he acquired in pursuit of us getting promoted. He did put his body on the line, paid the price for it. Stuck it out. Good that the club stuck by him as well. So it's just nice that it's just completed the circle, the circle of life, the circle of life. He's not gone to the soil. <laughs> um, he uh, he's quietly had a bit of an end to the season as well. He's not been just sitting around doing nothing. He's been playing several games for the under twenty threes, getting them through to the, the end of the season. They probably would have won the title with or without him. But I don't think anybody in that team will have suffered from being around Gatano Berardi on the pitch in the the Premier League, Development League, Table League, Division, whatever. So he's made that his business since coming back from injury. Just I will go in the under-23s and I will help them. And then when he's uh, ready for the first team, I will help them. And wherever he goes next, whatever he may choose to do, I'm sure he'll continue to be helpful. On uh, Tyler Roberts, your boy, Moscow, Aidan has been in touch asking if you feel like a proud dad does on your child's first day at school now that he's, he's finally scored his Premier League goal. So nice, isn't it? And just a week or so after he was named the, um, he got like the PFA Community Player of the Year or something for all the, the Zoom videos he's been doing with school kids and uh, and all that stuff. I'm glad he's got, he scored. As we said last night, he needed, and deal will say, you know, I don't think he's the most confident footballer ever. seen comparing to Rafinha who just, you know, do whatever. And if he's, if he doesn't go in the net, then it's, he's going to have a fight with God. Roberts is a bit more like, oh, don't know if I can if I can do this. Is it possible? And they always say strikers just need a goal, get one off your backside, and then it's you'll start scoring from there. And you could tell by his reaction, players' reaction, Bielsa's reaction, it was overdue for Tyler Roberts just to have the ball in the net and have his name attached to it, and it just needed to happen. And it's good. It has happened. He's done it. He will always have that, and it's hopefully it will be the start of some better days rather than uh, the end of something good. Andrew has fed back to us on the celebration and it looks like we may have some sort of fallout, some argument here because Andrew reckons that the celebration by Bielsa, he's described it as quadruple bongos, whereas on the match ball, we said it was a a five-way double fist him. So which is it to be? Is it four or five? Have we counted them? What was the hand motion? I've not been back to check. I do like the description of it as bongos. Maybe somebody wants to edit in some little drums for him when uh, Bielsa is doing that. It could have been, I'm pretty sure it was quintuple, (laughs) which mathematicians tell me is five. But it was good anyway, because Bielsa, that is his celebration now. And it does seem to have a sliding scale as to the ferocity and the, the frequency. And he seemed very happy with this one. One of the other factors that we didn't touch on in the match ball, because we weren't aware of it just yet, but it's since come to light, was... Leeds fans in their end in amongst the Southampton fans Southampton fans very quiet they didn't seem that pleased to be back inside their stadium after so long whereas I imagine Ellen Road even though there's only going to be 8,000 in on Sunday against West Brom is going to have a little bit of atmosphere I mean they were singing a little bit at the start but they all quickly lost interest didn't they because they were rather shit it's going to be weird everyone's spaced out because it's not a recipe for an atmosphere is it the um, 
they're all sitting yards apart from everybody. You need to be in a little group. It's why when you see teams like Reading used to come to Ellen Road and they'd seem to spread themselves over a full away end and you think, well, what have you done that for? No one's going to sing then. All 15 of them. Well, yeah, exactly. I know, I know they're not exactly known for um, for the support anyway, but it will be weird. But I, I do back Ellen Road to be noisier than this. I'm just pleased that away fans got in somehow. Even if it was only two of them, there was somebody in the Newell shirt and there's somebody, another guy who was just uh, surreptitiously showing his Leeds badge, wasn't he, that he photographed himself? The oh. Newell shirt is glorious because it's it's so hidden in plain sight. Just put, and if anyone challenges him, steward or anything, just go, I'm a Southampton fan. But that's a Leeds shirt, sort of. No, it's not, pal. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So that's the feedback from Leeds fans on what was another pleasant evening eventually. What about Southampton? They presumably didn't enjoy it quite as much as we did. An air of resignation about their um, their fan media, is there? I think they sort of did enjoy it in a weird way. It's worth saying at this point that none of the Southampton podcasts that seem to exist have actually recorded anything about this yet. So the only post-game stuff came from something called Match Day Vlogs on YouTube, which are the guys we had on the first time around, I think. But I did delve into Total Saints podcast to hear what they were saying about us in the preview, hoping to pick up some hatred or someone with like a story of getting pissed thrown at them in the 70s or something. But instead, it was just just admiration. They've been really good, really good to watch. And I think we saw some of the heavy defeats that they had at the start of the season and you thought blimey it was Bielsa going to learn um but just what what an absolute team I, I saw some charts the other day of basically like you know distance covered most sprints but and they were just miles ahead of every other team and when teams are even now like teams are on on their asses basically because they're knackered and they're not they just keep on going like, all this murder ball he gets them doing it's just utterly utterly bonkers how fit Leeds are as a team and you know, all credit for that has to go to Bielsa he's you know they all buy into him it's they, they've been a joy to watch actually a, a really really good team they they complement the Premier League massively and yeah as you say it's going to be a tricky tricky game well they're nice aren't they great bunch of lads do we want to be equally nice about Southampton or be complete bastards okay I mean I, I have no real beef with Southampton they're Rod, fine Rod Wallace was good yeah 
that was good. I mean, and uh, Ray, and Ray, can't forget Ray. Until he went mental with all his COVID stuff, I used to as a as like still a, talking about Ray Wallace. <laughs> no. What as a as a non Leeds player, I used to always enjoy Matt Letitia as well, playing for you know one of the the teams in the bottom half while doing brilliant things. That was always fun. That I enjoyed us beating them four three that time. That was nice. That was good away day. I mean, as I'm sure the Hampshire Whites will testify, it's quite a nice part of the world. This Hampshire, the in-laws live not too far from there. Been to, uh, I mean, there's Peppa Pig World in Hampshire at that theme park. I've been there. Keith Stroud popping in there. Or is Let's he banned? Um, move on to the next clip. Then what are they saying next? Just a different man saying in a slightly different way <laughs> how good we are, which is basically what we do. Yeah, I, I think they've been brilliant. You know, I, I didn't, didn't care that they got they got thumped a few times. Yeah, they were a bit naive at the start of the season, but they they they've been excellent. They've got some they've got some great players. Um, as Steve said last time, I think I'll bring up something Steve said about you know he's made Patrick Bamford look like a a, a proper Premier League striker, one that's got an outside chance of of playing for England, and he's had a brilliant season. Um, players like Rafinha, who they signed for next to no money, you know they, they've got they've. They've just been excellent all season, and I'm I'm surprised, to be honest, that they're only sort of tenth, eleventh. Because to me, they look they look a much better team than the likes of I don't know Spurs or someone like that. And it'll be it'll be a really tough game. They're they're a massive club, and they, as Dan said, they are absolutely a a a superb part of the Premier League, and uh, I'm sure they will be for quite a long time to come. God, don't you hate football fans like this? They're too nice. What we need is the lunatics on this show. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Do you think they're still a bit stunned after the 7-0 in 72? They're all, can't get over it, worried that that's going to happen again at any moment. I can understand the praise for our style of play and stuff, because that's almost undeniably good. But saying what a great part of the Premier League we are and what a big club we are and stuff, that's a, above and beyond. There's no need for it. I did enjoy the idea that £17 million is next to no money for Rafinha. I mean, it does look like next to no money when you see how good he is, but equally... It's only a million quid short of our record fee um, before we signed Rodrigo. Stuart Dallas, next to no money. Pascal Strout, next to no money. You can say it about a lot of our players, Luke Ayling, Rafinha, probably not one of them, but even so, he, he has been a bargain. Yes, we're, we're splitting hairs, aren't we, over the, uh, over the transfer fees. So, match day vlogs then, this is on YouTube. Uh, can we not find any sort of anger, disappointment, fed up people? No, not really. They just love us. In, in all fairness... What I will say before every goal went in, I did kind of mumble to myself, "What a pass!" Mm. There's a few mm. times where I'm like, "Wow, that was was perfect over the top pinpoint." I think yeah. seeing seeing Leeds play in real life, I was like, "Wow, their energy just didn't stop." Oh, it's relentless. They just, they just they just didn't let up. I was waiting for the entire game for them to just just to ease up a little bit, but it just it just didn't come at any point. <laughs> you know, we were lucky at the end for it to just be two 0 we were quite sloppy in that opening spell, weren't we? We weren't great. That's not one of our strongest opening salvos in a game. We didn't think we were great all game. I know second half we were the better team, but we weren't exactly blown away by it, were we? It was kind of like, well, fine. Felt felt end of season-y and like we were, we just about edged it, but they were impressed. I worry about us next season now. I wonder if we're going to get to that point of drawing 3 all with uh, Liverpool in a, a tight race for the title coming in here absolutely fuming. Rafinha's the worst player I've ever seen. Can't believe everybody, the whole world is out there marvelling at the greatest game of football that's been played in the history of association. And we're just like, Bamford, can't believe he missed that chance. We'll go back to, yeah, we'll go back to championship days where we're begging for anybody to take this shower of shit off our hands. Maybe other fans know us better than we know Leeds 
because we're all still mired in years and years of PTSD and anxiety about, you know, swanning around in League One and all this. And they can see us for what we are, which is great. I have occasional glimpses of it. You know, like yesterday, I was dicking about praising myself, saying I predicted we'd score about the 70th minute, and we scored a couple of minutes afterwards. Maybe it's because I'm understanding and accepting that we're quite good and we do wear teams down. That's that's where that came from. That was the root of my opinion on that, that 20 minutes from the end, they'd be spent, wouldn't be all that arsed, and we might just nick one. And as it happened, it did go that way. But they seem to really have a handle on how good we are. Do we? Sort of. I think we we know we're good. And we know that we are fitter than other teams and all that kind of stuff. I think it's just always, it's just always with that slight lingering doubt of like, but what, what, what next? When does it go wrong? But it, it isn't so far. There's also the the memories of recent history that have not yet faded that came to the fore last night when there was one moment in particular when Liam Cooper was looking across his penalty area in dismay at some distribution from Kiko Garcia, and it's immediately you hear the kind of the the thunderclap and think Derby May 2019. God, it's 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 those two again, and you know a lot has happened since then. Liam Cooper has established himself as a, a Premier League defender and a, a part of Scotland's European Championship squad and Kiko Garcia still hasn't fucked off. But He's established you, himself on the bench. Let's you, be fair to him. He's, he's got very well settled there and I think it suits him. You, uh, But you, you sometimes you just flash back to those moments and, and remember what we've been through. And certain good things about that as well, like the fact that um, the, the difference in our team from Stoke Bielsa's first match is not so great to to what we see now it's so many of the same people which is one of the lovely things about it but yeah you uh, you sometimes do need to step away and, and see it through the eyes maybe not through the eyes of a Southampton fan because they seem pretty boring maybe if there's some more exciting eyes if somebody's got some uh, like some big Timmy Malik glasses they can put on and make us see what Leeds is really like that way maybe that's they'll hand those out to the 8,000 who are going into Welland Road on um, Sunday as part of the COVID protocols. Football's not like it was. You now have to wear big comedy glasses. I did, to be fair, I did say beginning of the season, one of the only teams, one of the main teams I really wanted to see this season was Leeds. And they've been... Have <laughs> what you wish for. And they've been really good. <laughs> yeah. They've just been really good. And we all, all season, people can make fun saying, oh, you know, people giving Leeds too much praise for the way they play. But I saw it live today and some of the passes that I saw and just the energy, I was like, this is a really impressive team. This is probably one of the fir- one of the first times where I sort of left the Southampton match going, I'm actually really impressed by the team I've seen. Like even mm. when City hit 100 points, I was still like, oh, but it's City though. Well, I, today I was like, well, Leeds are a pretty decent team actually. I yeah, really, I really enjoyed watching. As much as the, you know, I hated it. I was like, some of the, even I couldn't help but go, wow, that was a good pass, or wow, that was a good bit of muscle. Which I can't believe they got this energy. Someone give these lads the, the Hampshire Whites. Contact details. So simple. Just come and join up. It's easy we're enough. A, we're a broad church. Very welcoming. It's the bit where he says, I did enjoy it. And then he's like, oh shit, now I'm, I'm a Southampton fan. Um, I, d- I mean, I didn't enjoy it, but sort of sort of did in a way. Can I can I see that, that team every week rather than my one? This is his dirty little secret, isn't it? He's a secret Leeds fan. On the plus side, Bamford did manage to annoy them a bit. Although they are actually wrong on this because um, he caved his face into a man's shoulder, didn't he? <laughs> but it annoyed them. Patrick Bamford seemed to die at a certain point in the half, and then he he came back from the dead to be absolutely fine. I I, I kid you not. I thought it was a spinal injury. The way he was led there Mike on was the penalty. S- sincerely worried. Was the I was. Behind, was the chance behind us was just brutal. But there was me genuinely worried for Patrick Bamford, thinking like, has he played his last game of football? Yeah, 
And then all of a sudden, he, he sits up and he gets ushered off the pitch. I'm thinking, it's a head injury. He's definitely going to be substituted. And then he just trots back on as, as if he's just, you know, had a plaster stuck over his knee. It's just ridiculous. I mean, it wasn't Jesus at Easter, was it? In terms of comeback, they were just checking that his neck was all right because that's what they do. Collision means that you immobilize the neck and make sure nothing's broken. And when it's not, then you're all right. Does he have any modern healthcare in Southampton? Sounds all good. Well, I didn't even see a leech put on him. I don't know how he he managed to play on. How did they stem the bleeding? (laughs) He was hurt because he collided with the goalkeeper quite hard in an awkward way. It was a defender, I think. Somebody then. He collided with somebody. Fuck off. A big shoulder. <laughs> it was a big shoulder of ham. Hampshire. Hampshire ham. And then it? he got better. What's difficult to understand? It's not every player who doesn't go down. Doesn't, I mean, if we're talking about this, Southampton would have been down to five players if no player who is down injured is allowed to continue in the game. I mean, maybe that is a positive rule. I don't know. It would cut out some of the, the diving, but they what were, falls? They were reasonable enough. I didn't include the clip, but they were reasonable enough to praise Bamford for later on staying on his feet, and they both agreed it should have been a penalty. So they couldn't even be consistent with hating Pat Bamford. Well, that's it. They picked him out for diving, and then but then there's a great example of him not diving and talking to the referee about whether he needs to dive or not, and it'll be interesting next time we play Aston Villa. Well, it won't be interesting. It'll be boring because the whole fucking Bamford to diving cheat thing will, will come round again, despite the overwhelming evidence to the contrary, which we'll just have to drive around Birmingham with a big, we'll put a big TV screen on the back of a flatbed truck and show that on a loop just to prove a point. While Slippery, Slippery Jack can drive, oh no he can't, I was going to say he could drive the truck but he can't, can he? He's not allowed to do that. Um, we've got one more clip then. This is just because these guys, we when we saw them for the first game, they were doing the watch along from home, they were actually in the stadium for this, which we're allowed to do again now, some people anyway, and it was just quite nice to hear how it felt for them even though we said it looked shit. You know, for, for the fact that we've been effectively watching football on TV for the last 14 months, sc- screaming at our TV yeah. streams, and just to be sat there amongst it, it was kind of, like you say, difficult to concentrate on the game sometimes because you're just sort of looking around going, this is great. And then Honestly, second half yeah, happened. Like, and- it, it did feel bad. Like, I, like even when we were getting, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say about this match because I was too busy <laughs> singing and looking around and just seeing other fans and seeing how they react, how they react to games. When they came out on the pitch to warm up, there was a part of me that genuinely got a little bit like, there they are. There are those guys <laughs> I've been watching for a year and that I've missed. The movie stars. While I can certainly empathise with their position, they weren't singing, were they? They did a bit in the first half. I, I thought it was actually a better than average Southampton atmosphere in the first half. They gave up after a while. They sort of did their repertoire and then were like, oh, well, that's done now. I was convinced at one point, and neither of you two, we watched it together and you two couldn't hear it. I was sure I could hear a song about David Jones that, con- that contained many severe, serious allegations, none of which have been ever proven true. But it was it was a lead song. I think there can't be there can't be enough Leeds fans in there to be seen. I don't know if Southampton have their own version of that and whether it's about somebody else. I hope so. <laughs> what you hope people are, are singing terrible accusations like this around? No, that it's a song about something else. Okay, but yeah, that tune was def- was being sung and. I was thrown into some kind of alternate reality. And while in that alternate reality, I think it's the Telegraph's report on this game, claims that Leeds were cowed by the atmosphere in the first half and struggled to play in the uh, the, the bear pit that is St Mary's, which I'm not sure that 8,000 Leeds fans really intimidated Rafinha 
I mean, he was brilliant all through the game, a little ineffective with his finishing, but he was noticeable in the first half how often we were just kind of going, Raf, just have the ball and see if he could do something from there. But I don't think that's because everybody was like, ooh, I'm dead frightened of the, the very reasonable <laughs> Southampton fans who, by the sounds of it, must have all been in the stadium going, very good, Leeds, very good. Oh, no, this is terrible. I do have some connection, I suppose, with the thing about them being movie stars, though, because I think the first time I actually see Rafinha in the flesh, that will feel a bit like, oh, there he is, <laughs> there he is, the man himself. And potentially never seeing Berardi again in the flesh is just the, the reverse of that, isn't and it? Pablo. And Pablo. Poor old Pablo. Well, football does move on, doesn't it? Football does move on. You did say, um, you said Leeds fans there, Moscow. I think you meant Southampton fans, but I got you just anyway. 8,000 Southampton fans. What does cowed mean? Like feeling under under pressure from it, like sad about it. Eating grass. Possibly, I don't know. I mean... <laughs> That's what cows do. They do other things. They excrete milk. I think so do most mammals, to be absolutely fair. <laughs> well, lots of mammals eat grass. I don't know what we're talking about here. <laughs> Just wanted to know what cowed meant. Right. All. It means to uh, cause someone to submit to one's wishes by intimidation. Did it's that, from the did, Old Norse. Did that happen to us then at St. Mary's, or was it... It's not or, from the Old no, Norse. Actually, I mean, serious question. Do you think, you know, we were a bit out of our stride in that first 15 minutes. Do you think they were kind of like, oh, this is weird, the players? Because they've been so used to playing in empty stadiums because they've not had the piped-in noise, obviously, like we have, that's kind of you know distracted you from the emptiness of the ground. I doubt it made any difference, to be honest. I think it was just, it was a little bit like the start against Burnley, in truth. That's how we set about that game, letting them have a bit of the ball. It felt like we were getting the feel of them rather than anything else. Admittedly, with them having some half chances in there, which I'd rather they hadn't. The three at the back thing as well. And one of the players at the back being Cooper and the goalkeeper being Casilla, things were different. Lots of things had changed. We didn't have um, click in the middle, so Rodrigo started. So there was a lot of a lot of changes, and also a change to the formation from the one that we like the best. And Southampton's game, the only thing they're good at is kind of harassing people in the other half of the pitch. So they aim to kind of knock you off your stride, and they did it a bit because. If we're going to be fair to everybody, they're not totally shit, but they could only do it until half time, and that's when their true shitness kicked in. Well, at least we'll get a nice welcome back there next season. And actually, to return to a long running theme of the main podcast, that's where the booze baton ended up, didn't it? I'd completely forgotten about that. Yeah, <laughs> the party where we're supposed to be celebrating, and we said we would go and, and have a party. So next time, those these bunch of lads. Great bunch of lads, these lot. Really nice on this podcast. Maybe we could do some sort of special podcast together. They'll have made the full transition to being Leeds fans by the time we play them again, I'm sure. They'll have, um, I, I assume they're listening to this. So come over, lads. Come over. Well, one more um, match ball, one more propaganda for this season, and that's West Brom on Sunday. And we look forward to catching up with you then. The Square Ball Podcast. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.